disruption zone. Opportunity lives where the status quo dies. Talking to the greatest innovators, disruptors, and off-the-wall inventors, we can scrounge up. You laugh, you'll learn, you'll be inspired. Now, here are your hosts, Leland Conway and Cameron Mills. Everybody knows there's a huge crime wave sweeping across America, mainly in big urban centers run by leftists and Democrats who've spent the last two years demonizing, running off, and otherwise defunding the police. Now they can't seem to figure out exactly what's going on or why. Hmm. So my friend Josh Crawford from the Pegasus Institute, a think tank that is independent and based in Louisville, Kentucky, stops by to talk about this crime wave. And the reason why I wanted to have him on was because, you know, with all the stuff going on with Russia and the brinksmanship and all that, I thought it was funny that the president of Ukraine said that Americans are safer in Kiev than they are in Los Angeles. And I thought to myself for a second, you know, he might actually be right. And that might be the same uh, 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 to say that same comparison in Louisville or Denver or Baltimore or Chicago or New York or Phoenix or any other major metropolitan area. I was talking to a lady, as you know, I live in Colorado now, and uh, it's interesting because in Denver, there's this massive homeless problem. It just they just uh, they welcome the homeless with open arms. They don't chase them off. If you're driving up I-25, you'll see encampments all along the interstate. You'll see them on the exit ramps tucked up under the bridges. It's unbelievable. Like if you think it's bad in Louisville, wait until you see this. Um my good friend and buddy Will Clark from 840 WHAS came out to visit over Christmas. And uh, he was they stayed in Denver for a couple of nights and they were telling us what an incredible thing it was to just see that homelessness everywhere. And that's been the case for um, most of my, um, you know, friends that have come out to visit. It's it's just been like that, you know. So anyway, um, I was talking to this lady who uh, was visiting Colorado Springs from Alamosa. So let me just give you a little laid, laid out on this. Alamosa is a small town, in Southern Colorado. She's actually, it's about maybe 40 miles north of the New Mexico border. It's in a little area or a big area known as the San Luis Valley. It's a beautiful area. It's actually a very high plateau uh, valley in between mountain ranges. So out to the west, you have the San Juans, which take you over towards Durango. To the east, you have the Sangre de Cristo, uh, Sangre de Cristo Mountains, which uh, are the mountain range behind the front range. And there's this wide open sort of uh, huge farmland valley in between. Um, it's populated with small farm towns. Um, Alamosa is the biggest of which. I would say that it compares in size to maybe a Shelbyville. Does that make sense? Um, it's not a big town. It's big enough to have some amenities, but really not a big town. It's the biggest town in the valley. So we're, we're talking maybe 20, 30,000 people. So this lady, I was, I was asking her um, about crime rates in that area because I had heard that they were going up because it's a peaceful small town area. And she said, Oh my gosh. She said they brought busloads of homeless people down from Denver and set up uh, sort of an encampment for them where they get free Wi-Fi, and then they're left to roam the streets and commit crimes. What's interesting is I was in Alamosa because I go down there with my dog hiking sometimes at uh, Sand Dunes National Park, which is an amazing national park, and there's a lot of great trails there. And I was in Alamosa recently for business as well, and uh, I honestly, uh, it was pretty sketchy at night. Um, I'm just telling you. Little small town, size of Shelbyville, Shelbyville, that you wouldn't want to walk around in. 
So they've been busing these homeless people down there and uh, setting them up with free Wi-Fi and little encampments and then leaving them loose to roam the streets because that makes them look better in Denver. And so so the point of this whole story is that instead of solving the problem, and this is very much the same thing with Mayor uh, McBike Lane in Louisville, right? Instead of solving problems, you give a bunch of lip service to it, and then you do other things that the people can't see in the daylight that really sort of obfuscate the process or the, prob- or the problem, and then uh, you hide the problem or you hide the data behind the problem, and the problem continues. And then for some strange reason, we keep electing these fools to office. At some point, that has got to stop. So anyway, going back to the point about the president of Ukraine talking about being safer on the streets of Kiev than you would be in Los Angeles, or I'll I'll say by extension Louisville, I wanted to bring my friend Josh Crawford on to talk about this, to talk about the crime wave, to talk about what's driving it, and to talk about real solutions for dealing with it. But first, a word from our sponsor here on The Disruption Zone. Guys, home equity is at an all-time high right now. So if you're thinking about staying put but want to take advantage of that and make your house your dream house, well, a great way to do that is to upgrade your kitchen. And the best way to do that is to call my friend Tim Montgomery at Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. We did our kitchen with them. It did, it did such a great job that I'm pretty confident that's the reason why our house in Kentucky sold in like about a day. I mean, obviously, it was, there were other elements of that property that were awesome. But when you walked in that house and you saw that beautiful kitchen, it just made people fall in love. It certainly did with us. They also did our master bath. So we used them twice. Here's the thing. Supply chain problems are all over the world, but not at Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. They have beautiful cabinets in stock ready to go. So if you're a do-it-yourselfer or a contractor, they can help you out with that as well. Three designers on staff standing by waiting to help make your dream kitchen come true so call them michelle kelly and george all want to talk to you you can call them at 502-930-3304 that's 502-930-3304 and let your kitchen dream come true today louisville cabinets and countertops.com um so i'm going to play for you an nbc news package about carjackings in america skyrocketing listen to this oops hold on a second Comprehensive national data on carjackings is not available from the FBI, but many large cities are reporting a significant rise during the pandemic. Police call it a crime of opportunity. Carjackers attack unsuspecting drivers, swiping their vehicle, and in some cases, more. They're taking cars, all weapons, gunpoint, knives. This shocking attack in New York City caught on NYPD body cam video. The suspect able to get away, speeding down a busy street, plowing into parked cars as police tried to stop him. In Washington, D.C., council candidate Nate Fleming was recently carjacked at a gas station. The suspect seen pulling up in a red SUV. One points a gun at Fleming, then brazenly gets into his car. Wasn't Senator Barbara Boxer mugged in San Francisco, too? In San Francisco, people are parking their cars and obviously taking everything out of them and they're just leaving the trunks and the hatches and the doors open and the windows down as a way to say to the thieves please don't break my car windows i have nothing in here for you guns were pointing to my face before i could blink an eye 
And in New Orleans, a family forced out of their car. Or just started screaming, there's kids, there's kids. Police data shows carjackings are on the rise in many cities, up 55% in New York, 63% in Minneapolis, and a staggering 85% in Philadelphia. The rising numbers are beyond troubling. Officials warning food delivery and rideshare drivers should be on particularly high alert. In Philadelphia, a man delivering food shot an armed teenager who demanded his keys, leaving the teen in critical condition. Police say many times young joyriders are responsible. Our carjacking offenders are increasingly younger and younger. We're trying to encourage our young people to make better decisions. You think? <laughs> and no, it's not mostly joyriding. I've been a teenager. We've done joyrides. We never stuck a gun in somebody's neck and stole their car at a red light. I'm sorry, that's not joyriding. That's something much, much worse and much, much farther down the line towards disaster. It might be noted that these are uh, all of these cities in general, where these numbers are up, are run by leftists who have been calling for the defunding of police. Gavin Newsom uh, traveled to what has become a human dump. Uh, a train yard in Los Angeles that's now famous because it made national news when a bunch of people uh, robbed a train of, like, FedEx and other shipping company packages. And there was an Inside Edition piece on this, and they showed the train moving through the train yard, and it literally was plowing through empty boxes and old clothes and trash. And it's one of those areas where if you look at California, you can't start a business, you can't buy a new house unless you do all of these green things, and yet they are allowing openly allowing an environmental disaster on their streets. And it, it, it's it's an unbelievable contradiction, you know, of, of situations. So Gavin Newsom goes there, and he gives this press conference, and we played the audio the other day, and it was hilarious because he basically was like, uh, he was trying to combine that weird political speak that the left is so good at, that word salad, with trying to sound like an average person. And he's like, he's like, this is just... This has to stop, and we have issued a memorandum of understanding so that we can have a memorandum of statement about what the hell is going on here, right? Like at the end, he shifts to like, all of a sudden, I'm a regular guy after talking about a memorandum of understanding. It was like Team America World Police meets, I don't know, Donald Trump or something. It was some weird, like it was the contradiction in my head. It was making my brain explode. Well, he also went on to say that there were gangs of people that were Robbing and stealing. And then now Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, has come out and apologized for telling the truth. He's walked back calling the train thieves organized gangs and now says they were uh, groups of folks. Organized groups of folks. And I was like, I saw that and I was like, holy crap. Did they pull the gangs? (laughs) Were the gangs upset? The longer we have leadership like this in place, whether it's here in Colorado or it's there in California or it's in Baltimore or Chicago or Dallas or wherever you want to go, the longer we have leadership like this, feckless, ridiculous, spineless leadership like this, the more that crime is going to go. Because not that the homeless people watch the news regularly, but I'm sure word got around that Gavin Newsom apologized for calling them gangs. Who was it that called up Gavin Newsom and said that was offensive? That's who I want to know. And if they work for the state, they should be fired. It's asinine. But there is no question. I looked at some statistics the other day from the Common Sense Institute 
Uh, murders up 109, 106% in Colorado in the last decade. Uh, rape is up 9%. Assault is up 40%. Crime is up overall 35% as compared to nationally 3%. Um, and violent crime is up 15% in the last two years. Those are some pretty staggering numbers. I wanted to bring my friend uh, Josh Crawford on from the Pegasus Institute. They are an independent uh, think tank located in Louisville, Kentucky, and they have been studying the crime problem across the country, not just in their home city of Louisville, but around the country as well, for some years because it's a policy that it's a policy issue that they want to tackle with some logic and some common sense. Um, Josh, it's good to have you back on. How are you, my friend? Doing well. Thanks for having me, Leland. Um, what started the idea of having this conversation was I texted you last night that the president of Ukraine uh, made a snide comment that Americans are safer in Kiev than they are in Los Angeles. And it was snide, but it actually might not have been untrue. And it made me think about that. And I was like, wait a minute, maybe he's right. Maybe maybe they are safer there than they are in Los Angeles or in Denver uh, or, or in Louisville or in Chicago or Baltimore. Um, we have a problem, don't we? We have a big problem. And, and look, Kiev doesn't send their data to the Uniform Crime Report, so I'm not entirely sure how they, they stack up against <laughs> You're not willing to go on the record on that one, Josh? <laughs> yeah. But what he's pointing to is that for the, for the last six years, this country has seen a large chunk reversal of the great crime decline from the early 1990s to 2014. Um, and it is happening in cities all over the country, but it's not happening everywhere. Um, and the places that it's happening are making a lot of the same decisions. They're right. depolicing, they're reducing the budgets of their police department, they're creating an environment in which the criminals are the good guys and the police are the bad guys. Did you see the story that in Baltimore, um, I forgot, I was trying to find it, I got the story here. Uh, they call them safe streets workers, they're not police. Um, they're replacing police. So they have these, I guess, glorified social workers. One of them was gunned down the other day in Baltimore. A quadruple shooting East Baltimore Wednesday night left three people dead, including a safe streets worker and one person injured. Three others were injured, separate shootings west of South Baltimore, according to the Sun. Eastern District Patrol officers responded to a shot spotter alert in the 2400 block. 28-year-old man was pronounced dead on the scene. Medics transported three other victims. Um, one of them was a safe streets worker in the safe streets program. This was one of those de-policing programs that was supposed to, uh, take the punch out of the police, so to speak. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's a tragic scenario for a number of reasons. And it's something that I think folks on the right should take no pleasure in because a number of people lost their lives, including somebody who probably had no business being where they were. And these social work programs, these safe street workers or these things that uh, put civilians in these circumstances can actually be really useful and really powerful tools in addition to law enforcement. They right. can help bridge the gap between law enforcement and the community. They can help build trust between the community and law enforcement, and they can be really valuable. And in places like Brooklyn, New York, and in certain parts of Chicago where these things have been done well, that's what's happened. The problem is, is they cannot and they will never replace law enforcement. And that's what some of our friends on the radical left are trying to do. They're trying to, to have public safety in the absence of law enforcement. And there is just no evidence from any city anywhere in the country that you can meaningfully reduce violence without the, the inclusion of law enforcement. Not a single city that has had citywide reductions in violence uh, without the use of law enforcement. 
I, I'm glad you brought brought that up because I do think this is the thing that often gets lost in this conversation. When we talk about um, this is a left versus right issue, it kind of gets drowned out by the red and blue, right? And mm-hmm. there's there is a place here where, like what you said, there is a place for someone to come in and bridge the gap between the police and the community because there are legitimate beefs in the community, right? I mean, there have been times when, and and I believe that the vast majority of police officers wake up every morning and their goal is to keep their community safe. But there have been times when bad officers have done bad things and then they have not been rooted out like they should be as quickly. And sometimes the wagon circled around them. And this created that, in some cases, these sort of gaps in that trust. So I totally agree with you that there's a place for this. But when you when you remove it entirely, there's a book by Michael Schellenberger, who we've had on the program, called San Francisco. And he talks about ways that they have mitigated things like drug abuse and homelessness or public drug abuse and homelessness in Europe. And a lot of the people on the left that are espousing these new ideas claim that they're transplanting that from Europe. But it's actually not. Because Schellenberger details that there's carrot and stick approach. There is a carrot. You can get the carrot. But if you don't go for the carrot, you will get the stick. And it's like they want to take it and make it all carrot and no stick. And those criminals sense that and know that they will get away with things. Right. And there's there's no evidence that that the all carrot approach works. There just isn't. Um, You know, there's there's evidence that a just stick approach works. But it comes with a lot of negative consequences, and so you want to try to avoid those. Uh, but by combining the two, by combining services with enforcement, uh, deterrence with uh, an opportunity for a better life, you can meaningfully reduce crime. Look, we've spent the better part of six years now crafting policies and putting things together to try to reduce urban violence because the city of Louisville has gone the wrong direction for that entire period, and, and many other cities have as well. And there are a lot of folks that have touched those policy recommendations, that have reviewed those policy recommendations, that have had impact on those policy recommendations, that have never in their life voted for a Republican for any office, right? Okay. Uh, these are folks of the left. They are, uh, they are Democrats. They are liberals. Um, but this sort of new age, de-police, uh, eliminate law enforcement, eliminate prisons, uh, caucus on the left, if you will, uh, really finds itself in opposition to the traditional beliefs of, of both sides. And so I think you're right to point out that this, this right-left dichotomy can create some confusion because there are a lot of folks in what I refer to as the reasonable left who want a lot of the same things that we do, believe a lot of the same things about public safety that we do. But the, the more radical elements of uh, our friends on the left uh, are doing a lot of the wrong things here. Yeah. I, I, and and I, I do think that the the – harsher elements of either side make it look as though the vast majority of Americans have hard disagreements when in reality a lot of us are closer to each other than we think but we might Mm -hmm. side with our team instinctively rather than looking at the facts instead of uh, just instinctively going to that team Um, if you were Governor Polis who's running for re-election in Colorado um, or if you were the governor of Kentucky or the governor of Illinois or the governor of Maryland or the governor of California, and you were seeking to truly solve this problem, how would you bring both sides together? And and what would be maybe three things that you would recommend? Because we're dealing with this in Denver hardcore. I mean, they're throwing money yeah. at safe campsites. It's not solving the problem. Everybody knows it's not solving the problem. People are turning a blind eye to it. But everybody, 
I'll have people come visit me from out of state, and they will be in downtown Denver and be like, holy crap, what the heck was that? I didn't know that was going on. It's embarrassing, right? So, yep. so maybe what are three things? If you could sit everybody down and say, let's do these three things, what would you tell them? Based so on the I'm research that something. you guys have done at the Pegasus Institute. Yeah, I'm going to say something wildly controversial in, in light of the intro to this conversation. Um, it's to focus on gangs. Um, and by gangs, I mean gangs. I don't mean groups of individuals. I don't mean friends who associate with one another occasionally. I don't mean any sort of, you know, uh, diluting of that terminology. The practical reality is this. Crime and especially violence concentrate among a very small number of individuals and among a very small number of areas. And by areas, I don't mean neighborhoods. I mean one block street segments, right. uh, micro locations that are responsible for 50 percent of your violence in uh in in large cities um 50 of your violence in medium-sized cities and when you start to think about the question that way it changes some of the conversation this isn't about sending in an occupation style police force into disadvantaged communities and holding court until people act appropriately right it's about plucking out the problem actors enforcing the law where it needs to be enforced and getting resources to the people who need the resources um, the, this sort of simultaneous carrot and stick approach works in enforcement and law enforcement with regards to gangs. It works with regards to, to getting folks, uh, clean and sober who have addiction problems. It works in a variety of contexts within the criminal justice system. And we know that it works. And when you can focus resources where you need them and by resources, I mean, social service resources, I mean, law enforcement resources, I mean, corrections resources and so forth. Okay. On that small population, you all of a sudden have a much more manageable problem on your hands. If yeah. the thought process is we have a citywide problem, we have to figure out all the problems of this city, it becomes rather daunting and, and seems overwhelming and insurmountable. But when you realize that 5% of your offenders, not 5% of your population, 5% of your offenders are responsible for 50% of your violence, that 5% of your one-block street segments are responsible for 50% of your violence, all of a sudden, you've got a much more manageable problem on your hand, and it makes everybody feel better. The, the conservatives get to see the enforcement that they desire. Uh, the liberals get to see the help that they want to, to, to see in folks, but also they don't see these broad policies that negatively impact a bunch, impact a bunch of people. And so that's, that's how you got to approach it. Within that, there's a bunch of specific policy recommendations, but that's the sort of macro thing that folks have to wrap their heads around first and, before and they start solving these problems. And the other winner is the people that live in those neighborhoods that have been terrorized by this 5% of people. Yep. And Absolutely. they want their neighborhoods back. And they want their kids to be able to walk to school and to be able to play outside. Um, and right. they get that back, and they get emboldened um, by all of that. It's great stuff. Josh, we'll have you on again soon. Thanks so much for coming on in the Disruption Zone. So I don't know, maybe in a way we're chipping away at it with some of these ideas. Hopefully uh, the people that are in power will start to listen um, well, actually, I don't think that'll happen. I think most importantly, you will start voting the people currently in power out of office in favor of people that will listen. How's that? A word from our sponsor. All right, guys, hope you enjoyed this episode. It was made possible by my friends at Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. Tim Montgomery and his work crews have a work ethic and a craftsmanship value second to none. That means second to nobody. I've seen them work. I know what their work ethic is. It's why I believe in them. And I also know what the quality of their craftsmanship is. That's also why I believe in them. We had an ugly, unusable island in our kitchen, and they made it usable and beautiful. 
The work they did, I'm confident, is one of the main reasons why our house sold in less than a day when we put it on the market in Odom County. These guys are fantastic. And they have three designers on staff to help make your dream kitchen come true. George, Kelly, and Michelle are standing by waiting for you to call at 502-930-3304. See some samples of their work at LouisvilleCabinetsAndCountertops.com. And you know we're hearing about supply chain crisis all over the world right now? That's not the case at Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. They have beautiful cabinets in stock now ready to go. Go to the cabinet section of their website. Click on in-stock cabinets and look at all the amazing, beautiful styles from modern, like sleek, clean lines to beautiful country style and everything in between, shaker and everything in between. So check them out. You can see all of that online and they're ready to go. So if you're a contractor, do it yourself or or you just already know what you want, there's not going to be any delays in your project with Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. Check them out again, 502-930-3304 or LouisvilleCabinetsandCountertops.com. If you're in Louisville, Oldham County, or Southern Indiana, this is the place to go. Check them out again, LouisvilleCabinetsandCountertops.com. You know, we hit over 100,000 downloads, and a big thanks to our sponsor, Louisville Cabinets and Countertops, for helping make that happen. Also, to Dynamics Audio Productions in Lexington, Kentucky. They have helped with the audio for this program so that it's high quality. If you have any audio needs, like ranging from maybe digitizing and refurbishing old home videos and memories to professional audio work, they can take care of you there. Just dxaudio.com if you want to know more information. My good buddy, Neil Kesterson. Thanks to you for downloading the podcast and sharing it with your friends. Follow us on Twitter, at Leland Show, and at uh, Great Lilando on Instagram. And, of course, you can download the podcast for free and subscribe for free at iHeartRadio's app, uh, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. I am Leland Conway. It is the Disruption Zone. <laughs> 